0: Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah! Show number 1,864. Buckle up, be prepared to be inspired. Today we're at the racetrack. This is Cars Yeah! Where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah! Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today I'm in Leamington in the UK with a very special guest by the name of Samir Abid. Samir, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have it in gear and are you ready to release the clutch? Yes, I am. All right. We're going to have some fun today. Now, before we start, what's one little thing that most people don't know about you, Samir?
1: So, one of your tricky questions to start with, Mark, (laughs) but one of, as is a car show, my first car was a fiat x19 and most people probably don't even know what a fiat x19 is so the way i described it in the day was a red italian mid-engine sports car with a targa roof and in my case a cassette deck that used to escape from the from the center console and a car that unfortunately used to rust (laughs) or rusted completely
0: Well, you know, you think about that car when it came out, it was like so cool. But then when you drove it, it was a little bit disappointing because it really didn't have a lot of power to it or anything like that. But I have a guest, had a guest on the show just last week two weeks ago, who he restored one of those to pristine condition. Now, today he has five or six Ferraris. He, he built up a tech business and sold it, and he's now got the means to buy the dream car. But he said, I think I'm the only guy on the planet that restored one of those to perfection <laughs> back in the day yeah. because
1: it had this special meaning for him. Yeah, that probably it's probably better than it came out of the factory. In that case, it was a great car, and it's you know it was a friend of mine's car, a friend of the family, and he gave it to me as a kind of gift. To, it was just it has so much lovely stuff wrapped up in it. I was very privileged to have it at that age. I had a lot of fun into it before it sort of. Died. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, yeah, they do that once in a while. Well, that's very cool. Well, let me give you a proper introduction. And we're going to dive into what you're doing. Samir Abid is the founder of Your Data Driven. It's a digital toolkit to help you reduce your lap times when you're on the track. The site includes easy to understand race car engineering articles, spreadsheets, online courses, a book, a weekly newsletter, and He even does a podcast. So it's kind of cool to be talking to a fellow podcaster today. Your Data Driven's goal is to help racers work through the complexities so that they can have more success and more fun from their motorsports experience. An engineer, Samir has worked in both vehicle dynamics and sports engineering. He has designed suspension for road and racing cars for brands, including Aston Martin and Multimatic Motorsports. For Olympic and pro sports teams, Samir has spent 10 years helping sports scientists, coaches, and performance directors make better decisions using their data and he's also a successful club eraser we're going to have some fun today so keep your seat belts on keep them cinched tight we'll be back in a minute but first a word from our valued sponsors so stay seated we'll be right back Summer's here. Thank goodness. And that means long, hot days. Covercraft's UVS custom sunscreens are quality made and are incredibly fast and easy to use. Your UVS sunscreen is custom tailored for your vehicle and the accordion design ensures easy storage. Not only do they protect your dash and interior for maximum protection while parking in the sun, sunscreens keep your vehicle's interior significantly cooler. They're durable and dependable for years of use. I have one for all my vehicles, and I use them every time I park my car when I'm not going to put the cover on. You can choose from a variety of colors, including the original, their premiere Series, and Carhartt designs. Your sunscreen is manufactured with the quality and attention to detail that's been the standard for Covercraft since 1965. And they make really great gifts, too. Get your summer deal today if you use the code YEAH21, Y-E-A-H-21, at Covercraft.com. You'll get 10% off your Covercraft order. That's right. 10% off compliments of cars, yeah. Simply use the code yeah21 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. Get your own custom sunscreen today. When it was time to renew my collector car policy, my carrier raised my rates by a lot. But why? My usage was the same, my car's value was the same, and I had never made a claim. I didn't even have a ticket. The only change was their rate, and they had no reason why. What's with that? I researched my options, I spoke to others, and with American Collectors Insurance is where I now have my policy. What a difference. A live person actually answers the phone. She spent time learning about me and my Porsche Turbo, the one I call my orange crush, and provided a reasonable quote. American Collectors Insurance now protects my special ride. I'm saving hundreds of dollars and I can sleep at night knowing my baby is properly insured. Why wait until your next premium is due? Give them a call today for your personal agreed value quote. Call 866 ac one Yeah, that's 866 224 9324. Tell him you're a friend of mine, Mark Green at Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance, classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors, automotive enthusiasts, just like you and me. That's American Collector's Insurance. All right, Samir, so we're back. So let's dive a little deeper into the corner. That's something that you help drivers do i would love for you to elaborate on your business you're data driven because you've picked a very tight niche but you're helping a very broad swath of people who love to go out on the track and have some fun so explain to the listeners what you're all about
1: thanks mark yeah your data driven is very much about helping drivers who who are on track go faster to sort of roll back a bit in my history is uh, my passion has always been motorsports and helping cars well, yeah, go faster in a circle. And I, had, I, I race as a hobby, and I'm an engineer, but I've been working in the world of Olympic sports for a long time. And I set up a blog about probably 18 months, two years ago, to help some of my fellow uh, competitors just solve some of the problems. There's a lot of paddock folklore. There's a lot of uh, misinformation. There's a lot of misunderstanding about some problems that have already been solved in how to go quicker. And so I thought, well, I can just share some of my experiences of that. And it was very much a sort of a blog. Level thing and just sharing some uh, calculations and some ideas. Then COVID arrived. My day job kind of finished with the sports, certainly in that period of time. And I thought, well, let's let's build on the platform of the blog and try and help many more people. I think my mum was a teacher, so I think I've got it in me to try and uh, you know just want to help other people. And it's been really successful, and it's just sort of growing every day. So. There's courses, there's all sorts of different stuff on there to help you go faster and your team to understand about setup, about data analysis and about driving faster.
0: So where were you when I was Vintage Racing? Because I know exactly (laughs) what you're talking about. You get to the track, and if you're not a professional race team or you don't have a big team around you, you're trying to kind of figure it all out. And our good mutual friend Ross Bentley introduced us to each other, so a shout-out to him. He's like one of the ultimate guys that helps people learn how to drive faster and do things better. He actually lives very near me, which is kind of cool. Uh, Again, I wish I'd had him around me when I was uh, driving. So let's talk about some of the maybe major things that a driver whether it's a weekend warrior going out to drive his street car on the track or getting into racing or moving up in the echelons what are some of the basic things that people run into that you know the guy down the aisle says oh you need to have temperatures at this level or your setup camera needs to be this or whatever that is what are some of the basics that you see that people aren't getting right
1: that's a great question making a car and driver go quickly on track is complicated and as a result it's quite a it rapidly becomes a complicated problem to solve because there's so many explanations for what may or may not have happened. But a lot of things that people do, so uh, a good example would be our gear changing. So when is the right time to change gear? And if you talk to people in the paddock or you ask around, you get a whole load of great advice. Well-meaning advice It's just, you know, change on the red line or the car will tell you when to do it, or you'll know when to change or I always go max revs or whatever. And there's an engineering calculation you can do for it, right? And every gear is, uh, depending on your car and everything, every gear is different. So it's not the same point in every gear, and it's certainly not the same point to change down mm. in every gear. And so you're like, oh, okay, so what is it that the gearbox is actually doing? So we go all the way back to basics. What is it the gearbox is doing for us? And then what are the... You know, how do we choose the right gears and then how do we get the most from the gears we've got and so suddenly we've gone from quite a simple question like when do I change gear to this uh, quite complicated problem to solve if you go full engineering and particularly I've got a, a lot of people in my audience as it were who go sim racing and you can put whatever gear ratios you want in a, in a racing car in a sim so they're like what should we do um, but there's a very simple calculation. So I've done a little spreadsheet, and you can just literally put in your torque curve, what your gear ratios are, and it tells you when to change gear, and that's it. It done. All, I explain all the maths and everything in in some articles and some videos, but as a simple sort of value add or a simple example, that's a that's a really tangible one that people can you know pick up on.
0: Very interesting. Now another thing that is so key on the track: tires, tire pressures. Things like that. What are some of the main things or maybe one or two main things when it comes to tires? Because that's got to be one of the biggest things when you first go to a track and you start driving again, whether it's a, a driver's education day or you just start racing some kind of spec Miata maybe or even I did vintage cars. Everyone has a different idea of where your tire pressure should be. What they should be, what they should be when you come off the track and so forth. And I used to sit there going, I don't know what the heck I'm doing here. This, did it feel good or did it feel bad? Maybe I'll try another pound or two and see if it feels better.
1: Yeah, tires is a great one. It's it's the only thing that touches the you know touches the road. People you you hope
0: that's them. the only thing that ever touches the road. There's there's about
1: um, it's about I'm, I'm just putting putting my hand up. You can't see it, but it's about there's about a, a handprint's worth of contact with your car on the road. Yeah, very small. It doesn't sound a lot, does it? When you think about, you know, you think of a big car and it's got everything. So you think of the horsepower and all this setup, but it's actually only the tire. And that really is your, uh, the first thing you need to get right before you do anything on the car from a a setup point of view. And uh, it might sound a bit dull, but it really does pay back. So this, again, I've got some tools and bits and pieces on the website that can help you do that. So when you're driving the car on the track, the tires heat up, right. and so the pressure within the tire increases. Um, and what you're trying to do is set a there's – a, there's a hot pressure that you, you you can target that will give you the most grip, but you can't set that when you're out on the track because you're driving around. You can only set it when it's cold in the pits. So what you want to do is you want to work out, well, what is the exact combination of pressures – i should put on each four wheels like because if you know it could be different if you've got cut a track that goes particularly left or particularly right it's going to heat the tires up in a different order mm-hmm. so you want to you want to get to a point where all of your tires are at the optimum te- pressure for the most grip sure and you can do it kind of how can i say you can do it in a in a a casual way which is what a lot of people do or you can do it in a more methodical way and there's some quite easy methods and scaling factors i don't want to use the words that put people off but you know there are quite easy ways that you can do you can apply that you say right well, this is the cold this is the hot i want it to be uh, x what do i need to set my cold to be and so i've got some tools and bits and pieces for that the other thing about tires is the temperature uh, and it's less it's less monitored that i see for people but again it gives you an idea of what that good pressure should be so if you take three readings across your tire for example on the two edges and one in the middle there's uh some uh, a relationship between those pressures that will give you an indication of whether your tires are under or over inflated mm. and so in effect you want you want them to be if, if the tire is square to the road you want them to be the same like all three of those temperatures to be the same and if they're not, the middle one's lower, you're a bit underinflated. If the middle one's high, you're, you're a bit overinflated. So you can change the pressure accordingly. There's a lot to it of what is, a, in the end, a very, very simple thing. You can only change the pressure of the tight in the pitch. So what should you do?
0: Yeah. What should you do? That's always the question. Is there one thing when you, I know there's so many complicated pieces to going out on, on the track, but is there one thing that, Always kind of comes back with questions from people over and over again. That's a main issue that you see. If you could pick one thing that you get the most questions about.
1: Well, I do a lot of work on driver data analysis. And it's basically, where do I start with that, with data analysis? So people have been, uh, they're driving and they've been, uh, they got stuck or they are looking to improve. And they've invested in a data system. The sales material for the uh, data systems is all, well, this is all very intuitive, and you just literally you plug it on, and then it will tell you exactly what you need to do." And the reality for people is that that's not always the case. Uh, I think they they get the information presented in front of them, and it's still quite raw. So I get a lot of questions about, "Well, how do I interpret some of that?" So. I've, You know, I put together a course and bits and pieces for that. But there's also several articles that people can read for free about that. Where do you start with basic driver data analysis? Because at an amateur level, we're talking about tires and and such like, once your tires are roughly in the right window, at an amateur level, the driver is by far the biggest performance variable in in, in terms of your lap time. So let's focus our attention on helping that driver get better and improve <laughs> yeah. and then once we get to a certain level it's kind of like okay now let's start more fine-tuning the car it's a it's a constant trade-off the car has to be safe it's got to be capable of uh performing on a track so it needs that attention so your tire pressures, you know that is an important thing a lot of tires a lot of people come from a track day and their tires are underinflated because they've just driven on the street or something so you have to get them at the right level. But once you're in that sort of base zone, most of my focus and most of my questions focus back on the driver. It's like, how can we, how can we help them do it? And people like Ross, Ross Bentley, he'll coach you to do it. Right. And my contribution to that is like, well, I'll help you get more from your data system.
0: Very cool. I remember when I was vintage racing, I, I said once to uh, Louis Shevchik, who was managing my car, I said, how can we make this car go faster? And he goes, oh, that's easy. Find a better driver. <laughs> and I went, oh, well, thanks a lot. But he was right. Uh, I was just learning, didn't know what I was doing and needed to, to become a better driver and learn more things. So, uh, there's some truth to that.
1: It's really rewarding. Sorry to jump in, but it's very rewarding to improve as a driver because that is the sport element of it.
0: Oh Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, one of the best things that I ever heard from a, a fellow driver, I was racing a Formula Junior and he had a Jolis that was a similar car to mine and it had a little bigger engine and had disc brakes versus the drums I had. So he was always faster, but he was also a better driver. Was he just taught me better braking techniques and that I could brake later than I thought I could. And that simple comment to me, he goes, Mark, you're braking way too early. You can break much, even with these these uh, drum brakes, you can break much later. And he goes, just count, you know, when you're going to break, go 1,001 and then break. And then he would say 1,001, 1,002. And then, and oh my gosh, that changed my world. I mean, it knocked seconds off my laptop. It made me feel so much better because I didn't trust the car.
1: Yeah. And that's, you drive to your own limit. That's the, that's the thing. When you're, any driver drives to their own limit because it's self-preservation.
0: <laughs> yes. And-
1: yeah. I mean, it's totally logical, and why would you not do that? The problem becomes where people think, okay, I need to break through that. I think I'm being too timid, and they get heroic in the car. Mm. And heroic, if you imagine you've got a curve, you, you're coming up the, up the hill, and you're getting faster and faster and faster, and then you get heroic, and you get, start going down the other side, you end up going slower and more dangerous. And what you want to do is you want to aim for this sort of sweet spot where you're assertive, but yet not heroic and Getting the most out of the car, and what 's the lovely thing about the data is that it can show you explicitly where you know where you can break later and by how much in meters with with certainty or a level of certainty that you you don't often get when you 're just talking to people in the paddock
0: Wow, again, where were you? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that was a long time ago. So I understand. You know, I like to ask people about driving inspirations, uh, people in your lives, a mentor, someone that really helped influence you be successful. This could be in what you're doing now. It could be. It could have been something in your past. Uh, who was that person in your life? I'm going to bring someone up
1: uh, who's very current, and that is Ross. We've already brought him up, and the the journey that I've been on through the business in the last 18 months and effectively losing my job and then starting this new adventure Mm -hmm. has been, uh, challenging, we'll say mentally challenging. And also like, I don't know what I'm doing. And as a, it's very weird for me to be on this side of the uh, the podcast uh, microphone, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm just blagging that to your listeners. It's just like I I much prefer to be asking the questions and being the subject. Yeah. Sure. But anyhow, so Ross has been an absolute mentor to me. He's just a, taken me under his wing and given me so much help and advice. I've just I, I couldn't I couldn't want to thank anyone anymore. So um, it's been a real privilege to get to know him.
0: Yeah, he's he's an awesome guy. You know, I want to ask you about your podcast because you mentioned being on the other side of the mic. I've I've been the same. I've been on probably, I don't know, 20 or 30 different podcasts now. And it is weird when you're used to interviewing people. So tell us a little bit about your podcast, what it's all about, how people can find it. So
1: it's on the usual Apple, Spotify, Google podcasts. It's called the Your Data Driven podcast. And it's about learning from the professionals. So I've got a network of professional people who work in the world of motorsports, and also Olympic sports. And I thought it would be interesting for my audience, who's the amateur, to get some insights from these guys and say, well, okay, you guys are doing this for a living. That's your job, is to make these race cars go faster in a circle. What can I take from that as an amateur and bring that back to my own racing? And I very much started, I hesitate sometimes because I very much started as the amateur racer, but it's increasingly the amateur track day participant. so my audience has kind of grown from anyone who really loves going on the track and just wants to go faster so but that's really what the podcast show is all about it's like I talk to people on your behalf and say okay you're an engineer or you're a coach or you're a psychologist or you're a famous Formula One driver and what is it that you've done to get to your position and how you know how do you drive quickly how do you do that it's like And some of them actually have an answer.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that nice when your guest has an answer? Yeah. I understand. Well, I'll make sure I put links to your podcast on uh, the show notes page I'll build for you on the Carsia website. So people that are out there want to drive faster, want to be a better driver on the track or weekends or however you like to do your speed driving, not on the streets, on the track, please. You can uh, contact this gentleman here and get the Your Data Driven podcast and learn a few things, which is pretty cool because I just know from my time on the track, just a few little things help exponentially it's absolutely amazing so uh, welcome to the podcast world how often do you do a podcast
1: not as regular as you uh-
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm a little crazy so <laughs> I do, yeah
1: I do. I do a show i try and get a show out once a week or once a fortnight okay and uh it kind of just it, it it's it's not as consistent as you are am afraid but i've got a decent back catalog now we're over 30 shows Nice. and Uh, I'm still very much got my learner wings on as a host. uh, But I've had some great feedback and reviews and some amazing guests.
0: Well, it's cool. And uh, like driving on the track, podcasting is seat time, really, or mic time, as I call it. And then learning how to dance on your feet like you do with the three pedals uh, you do with your tongue in podcasting. And uh, you get a little better each time, gets a little more comfortable. So, uh, again, fun to have a fellow podcaster here. Let's take a short break. Thank our sponsors we come back going to ask you about a big challenge, so keep that in your thought process, and we'll be right back. I've discovered Linkage. It's a new quarterly publication and website that covers the automotive market, driving, restoring, collecting, and discovering your passion for motor vehicles. Linkage is about experiences, opinions, and values. Linkage is an actual informed, reasoned opinion and be sure to use the code cars, yeah when you subscribe and they'll give you $10 off. Boom! Linkage, geared for the automotive life. Subscribe today at LinkageMag.com. What began as a charitable car show has grown into the world's greatest collector car auctions, raising over $133 million for charitable organizations to date. For nearly 50 years, automotive enthusiasts from all over the world have enjoyed the Barrett-Jackson Collector Car Auctions, and I'm a huge fan. Regarded as the barometer of the collector car industry, their auctions are world-class lifestyle events, where thousands of the world's most sought-after unique and valuable automobiles cross the block in front of a global audience, in person, on TV, or streamed online. Barrett-Jackson produces the world's greatest collector car auctions in Scottsdale, Arizona, Palm Beach, Florida, Las Vegas, Nevada, and new for 2021, Houston, Texas. The excitement of Barrett-Jackson Auctions is contagious, and a unique experience is not to be missed. And be sure to visit BarrettJackson.com today. Barrett-Jackson, the world's greatest collector car auctions. So Samir, let's talk about a big challenge that you faced. I mean, you talked about losing your job and finding, reinventing yourself. I did do very much the same thing. Definitely a challenge, but whatever path you want to take us down here, it doesn't really matter to me. It's more about what it taught you so that you could come out of that positive on the other end. So take us on a little bit of a uh, challenging driver on the track.
1: Yeah. So the the most obvious one for me right now is is this this work journey. And one thing that, and it's this, I hope this doesn't sound too kind of vain to my audience or to 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 people listening, but one of the big things for me was changing my LinkedIn profile title. The reason that was tough was because it was like a realization of this is actually changed. Like life has changed, and it's it's out of your. It wasn't my choice to do it. It's like I love doing it, right? and I'm now all in. But it wasn't my choice. And I would have continued in the world of sport. And to change that stupid little thing on some random social media uh, profile was a really big turning point for me. And it was a it was a positive day. It was a real like, yeah, we're going to do this. And I've had a much better time in COVID than so many people in the world so the last person the last thing that I'm going to do is start moaning about my situation it's just it was challenging for me and my story through that was well what could I do what can I do about this you know what could I do better and it may you know it's, it's a non it's a non-traditional path as well it's a non-traditional path to like start a new business effectively but I just felt it was a really positive decision that I made to give this a go and I think it was a case where I could have just sat and got down in the dumps about it or tried to make something positive out of it. And it's going great. And I hope it continues to go great. But yeah, it was, you know, I've had some some comments from people. Weirdly, I've actually had some, some unkind comments, you could say, from people who are my peers. But what's been fascinating is, or enlightening is to focus on my guests or my my audience and say like, Right. So the purpose i doing this is to help you do better. And the reason I'm doing it online is I can't be everywhere in the world at the same time. And as long as you can take some value, I can help you in some way. And my focus is 100% on helping you improve. Mm-hmm. Then it doesn't matter what these guys are saying. The feedback I get from you as, a, as, a, as a, you know, someone in, in, who's struggling with a problem and I can help you with that best I can is that for me is a success. So that's a kind of a new way of evaluating my, my contribution in the world of work because, you know, before you're exchanging time for money and such like, and now I'm, I'm exchanging a lot of time up front for like you know, my whole life, basically, of investment in terms of engineering and working with sports teams who don't like data and trying to fold all that together and say like, okay, how can I help you do your hobby that you're passionate about? How can I help you get more from that?
0: You hit the nail on the head here, Samir, and I'll tell you something. After interviewing 823, or wait, what what guest are you again? Sometimes I lose count. Uh, 1,864 guests here on Cars. Yeah, I've learned a few things. What you just described, I went through the exact same thing. We identify ourselves in our careers so much that when it has to change or we decide to be so bold as you were, to change. That's a very frightening thing. It's a very different thing. And I got some of the same comments when I left my previous company. I was there for 23 years, and people said, "What are you doing? Like, why don't you go just run another company?" And I said, "I don't want to do that. I want to do I've helped two people build their own businesses. Now I want to build my own." But even family members were looking at me kind of like, "Are you sure about this?" Like, What's a podcast? <laughs> <You know? laughs> and and it, it makes you doubt yourself. But but here's the key thing, and here's what you've learned, and this is really important. I I've, I get to go give keynote keynote speeches at a lot of different events, and I talk about what I've learned after all these discussions, and I've learned the secret to life. I really have the secret to happiness in life, and it's exactly what you just said: giving back to others, finding a way with what you do every day, and if you get paid for it, even better to give back to others. And that is truly what makes us as human beings the happiest. Whether we even know it at the time or not, most people who are really happy are giving back to others. And if you look at people who are super hyper successful, I mean really successful, not only in their career, but financially, a big part of what they do is helping other people. And that is so rewarding. So you figured that out. Maybe at the time you and I embarked on these new reinventions of ourselves, we didn't know that. I didn't. But I certainly learned it, and you learned it as well. so bravo to you for taking that very bold step. my friend
1: It's lovely to hear your story too i in the sense of you know it must be your circumstances i think were um forced on you as well in 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 one sense, and you sort of made yeah made yeah. such a success and in a similar way, uh, my my circumstances with COVID was like, well, we had the whole place went into lockdown. It's like, what are you going to do? And um, you've got no income, you've got a family to to support, and uh, you know, time on your hands for change. And so it was a case of, well, let's let's do this. You know, my, that's my heart's there. As I say, my mum was a teacher; she likes helping people. I love that that feeling of. Um, I wish I could coach everyone like in person. Now, one to one stuff is the best for me because. You can really interact with someone and you can really sort of get underneath, you know, what is it that's holding you back here? The data, I can read the data, Mark, and it's, and I don't want to sound arrogant or anything, but when you do it enough, you read it and you can see someone's personality in the squiggly lines. (laughs) You can tell where they're scared in the squiggly lines on a computer. How's, how's that? Anyway, so you're asking these guys, it's like, like, at this point here, what were you thinking? And they're like, "Mm, I was fine. Like, no, come on. You know, what was it? that was holding you back why didn't you break a little bit differently or why did you take this particular line or what was it that was stopping you getting back on the throttle and we can have a conversation about it and we go you know the car will do it the car will do it and then you they have to trust and believe you and then they go out and put it on pole or win the race or whatever or it just improved. they go from you know 20th to 15th and that's a massive jump
0: oh yeah yeah, I've had uh, some, a lot of racers on the show, and I remember talking to some IndyCar racers about the first time they went to the Indianapolis 500 and to learn to go through the corners to not slow down. In fact, to press harder because the downforce, and it was so against all their intuitions and so frightening for them. And the first time they did it, like, whoa, that worked. Okay, now I gained some confidence. But going back to your comment, we are living in a really unique time you and I and the rest of the world that we can create these ways to help people in a massive sense that we never could before. You said it yourself when you're at a track you can right. only focus on one guy at a time most yeah. of the time. Now you can focus on lots of people. The motivational speaker Tony Robbins, um I he was a client of mine when I was in advertising many decades ago and he taught me some lessons way back then, but he's still around. He's still super hyper uh successful and he's learned that helping people is his his reason for being alive and when the COVID shut down his ability to go to arenas or to conventions and make his money, he had to reinvent himself again and he started doing it online and realized, oh, now I can reach even more people who can't afford to fly to a convention center and listen to me live and I can do my job better. So
1: we're in, we're in a unique time. It's really cool. I, I, I couldn't agree more and, and your point there about affordability is, is actually key because you know to hire a coach or, or whatever is it, it, it's it's their time it's not inexpensive and there's sort of there are rates for that right particularly if you've got some experience like I have and stuff like that so it, it, but to be able to package that up into some uh, products digital products that people can just access you can make that price point so much more accessible and all these little these little uh Tips that you know. I'm a lot of the stuff on my site is free, to be honest. But you know, there's two or three things on there. Where you think actually, yeah, that's, a, that's quite a meaty piece of value. That's going to be transformational for, for whoever's uh, doing that, and they're going to be able to help, go and help others with that as well. So, like you say, to be able to live in these times where the the internet is there and all these services are around, and we can we can make and help, we can make things and help people at scale. Yeah, my my contribution is just, you know, I can help you set up your racing car and I can help you analyze your data as a driver. That's my contribution. (laughs)
0: Yeah, it's it's, it's really cool. It's an amazing time. I want to talk about a special vehicle in your life, uh, a car that really stood out for you. What was that ride? And maybe share a story about it.
1: So I've got a racing story and it's my first win uh, in a racing car. So it's Brands Hatch 2008. Uh, It's the third year of my racing for real in a real what i say for real as in on a real track and there's a couple of things there which which really stand out so one of them was that when i started racing there's 40 odd people on our grid 30 to 40 all in the same car and super super competitive so my first race i thought i was a good driver right i I wasn't going to enter otherwise you know i'm good we go karting with my friends i was always doing well and my first race, I qualified last. And not just last, I was last by, like, four seconds off the back. Oh, wow. Which okay. is, which is like, really bad. I mean, there were some mitigating circumstances. It was snowing. I'd never driven. <laughs> snowing? <laughs> <laughs> it's snowing, yeah. I'd never driven the track. I'd never really driven the car. All this kind of stuff. But still, it was kind of, like, a little bit, like, you know, that was a bit of a, a low point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so 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 to go fast forward, like, two years or two and a half years to actually win a race in that same category against those same people was very very special for me and my i obviously given the fact that i started so far back i clearly didn't have the natural talent whatever that is but i was able to use some methodical approaches some of my engineering experience to try and give myself the opportunity to learn and improve and come all the way through the grid from thirtieth all the way to the front, and so that's yeah. It was nice to, to finally. What do that. kind of car were you driving? So it's um it's a little kit car. Uh, I don't know, if folks are familiar with uh, like a Caterham Seven, but it's uh, it's, a, it's a familiar like it's a kind of two seater uh, two seater car, mm-hmm. um, quite popular in the uh, in the in the kit car world and. Yeah, so we've we've got a, a version of one of those that we race. Cool,
0: sounds fun. Okay, I'm going to crawl in your head here a little bit. Uh, be your psychologist today. If you were manifest as a vehicle, what would you be? The McLaren F1 road car. Oh, we're going big. Okay, we're going we're going big.
1: You know, and uh, there's several reasons for this. Well, I'm smiling when I say this, right? So, but the the reason why is because that car uh, was born from a passion but doing things right. So I'm sure, I'm sure you're familiar with the history of the car and, and Gordon Murray's, Murray's obsession with weight and the fact that he wanted it to be a normally aspirated car and he would, all this sort of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And the fact that we're, so, but that meant, those clear boundaries meant that they had to use some technology that was still fairly confined to the world of Formula One and carbon fiber and such like that. And it was also the, one of the first cars that I know of that embraced data in the sense that every car has a modem and it can phone home if you get stuck anywhere in the world. And it was one of those things that the reason why it's sort of relevant is because that's kind of what I'm trying to do in my work, is I'm trying to make that world of Formula One, that high engineering, high tech, high performance engineering technologies and techniques available to many, many more people. Um, I've done it in, in sport for the last 10 years and I've done it. Now, for my amateur uh, colleagues who are racing. And it's not only about the technologies, it's not only about the carbon fiber and the and such like, it's about the thought process and about the, the way in which we tackle a complicated problem. So that's my car, McLaren F1. Uh, I was also fortunate enough to go to school with uh, Gordon Murray, uh, his son. Wow. And um, he used to come and pick him up in various versions of the prototype. Uh, Mm -hmm. There was a very famous one called Albert, which was based on an Ultima. Um, And I've also been in the car uh, back in 1995. uh, I was fortunate enough to have a ride in the car one time. So, you know, so there's a few reasons for wanting that car. But that's that's why I hope that's okay. (laughs)
0: Yeah. No, you know, I like the way you answered that. And uh, coming up here during Car Week in Pebble Beach, uh, I think it's Gooding or is it Sotheby's? Sorry, Gooding Sotheby's. But one of them has an F1 they're selling. At any rate, uh, both great auction houses, uh, but they've got one for sale. So here's your opportunity. You just need to get a very big checkbook out because uh, they're kind of become the modern day GTO of collectability, right?
1: Yeah, they were only a million dollars when they came out. That's all.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's all.
1: You know, that seems like a bargain now.
0: Uh, Uh, Yeah, they've they've gotten very, very pricey. It'll be interesting to see what that goes for. Is there a book you'd like to share that you've read you think uh, might help drivers or anybody? So I've got, a, I've got a kind of
1: business, I've, there's, there's some loads of great books on motorsports and data analysis and such like, and, and there's, uh, there's also a great book, I, I really love um, Adrian Neary's book, How to Build a Race Car, or How to Build a Car, actually, um, which is a sort of pseudo-autobiography as well as a bit of a history of his design experience in Formula One. So if you haven't read that one, then I would say that that is the one to have a look at.
0: You can find all these links on Samir's show notes page in the Cars yeah website. Just type in Samir, S-A-M-I-R, Abid, A-B-I-D, and his page will pop right up. All right, we'll make one more short break. When we come back, we're going to go on the ultimate drive. So keep that in mind. We'll be right back. Sargea yeah is proud to support our veterans, which is why I've teamed up with our nonprofit profit partner, TechForce Foundation, through its Veterans at Work military transition campaign. The tech shortage is very real, and our country needs skilled, qualified techs to keep our cars, trucks, airplanes, and fleets rolling. When so many vets build their skills in maintaining and servicing vehicles when deployed, TechForce helps transition those skills to jobs as professional technicians when they come home. Learn more about TechForce Foundation and its Veterans at Work Military Transition Fund at TechForce.org today. All right, we're back. So this will be interesting with you. Uh, I have a feeling we might be driving something kind of quick here. But what would the ultimate drive for you be like? The car? Who you're with? Somebody living or deceased? And where would you be driving would it be the track or be on a road yeah so i'm going to take a i don't know if this is a left field answer or not it's okay i hope so
1: <laughs> but given everything that we've been through in the last 18 months and that that focus on family whom it would be would be with my wife hmm. the car we would be in is the mclaren f1 yeah who would be driving it would definitely be me driving and what we'll be talking about how to go quicker that's what we'll be talking about <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know you're but, so you're so easy
1: <laughs> yeah i mean it's a great question and it really does did get me thinking about all sorts of stuff but you know at the end of the day this these recent you know if you'd asked me that pre-covid you'd have a different answer 100 percent. but you know this the these are the times of our lives and 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 having that time with the family is yeah it, it doesn't get any better than that really
0: Boy, yeah, COVID taught us that uh, family and friends are so important uh, because uh, life can be short and fleeting. And when they the governments force you that you cannot go see people you love, holy cow! All of a sudden, you take your you realize how you've taken your freedoms for granted and what life can mm-hmm. be for granted. So that when you get it back, and you guys are just kind of out of lockdown finally, so that's pretty cool. Um, uh, we are too here, so let's all cross our fingers and hope that this continues forward in a positive way for everybody, uh, so we can. get get back to having some fun. You've taken us on a really fun, a great ride today, and I want to thank you for letting me switch the mic on you here and becoming the guest. If there's there's a a success quote or a parting word of wisdom you might offer us, what would it be? Smile. (laughs) Yeah, that helps, doesn't it? You know, when I started podcasting, somebody taught me, another podcaster who was very successful, he said, when you're talking People can hear you smiling. And I learned that when I ran a call center years ago. I would tell all of our folks, in fact, I bought them all mirrors to put on their computers so they could see themselves. And I had etched in that mirror, smile. And people can hear a smile, right?
1: They can. They can hear a smile. And the other thing, the other benefit of a smile is um, it makes you feel happier, even if you're not feeling great. Like if you force yourself to, I have no clue how this works, right, by the way. It's just, you know, if you're feeling down in the dumps, and you force yourself to smile, you will feel better. And yeah. so yeah. that's my, my, my pearls of wisdom is just to smile.
0: <laughs> you know, you're right. In fact, I, I watched a, I think it was a TED talk and this lady talked spoke about the importance of smiling and it actually releases endorphins in your brain. And she said, one of the ways you can force yourself to smile is you put a pencil in your mouth and it forces your cheeks up. And forces you to even fake smile. And it actually, they've done studies. It releases things in your brain that make you feel better. Yeah. So, uh, wherever you are, smile. You may look goofy <laughs> to some people sometimes, but you know what? If you smile at somebody and, and you try, it's fun to try this. If you go, let's say to a, re- a restaurant and you smile at the waitress or waiter, if you go get a coffee and you smile genuinely at somebody, it changes their their whole attitude about you. It's amazing. They're contagious. Smiles, smiles yes. are contagious. Yeah, absolutely. So listeners, go out and smile. There you go. How can people learn more about your business, Samir? So uh, com is the website.
1: So you can go on there and grab all the different resources, sign up to the newsletter, make sure you don't miss out on any new stuff. On social media, it's your Data Driven or at Your Data Driven, and we're everywhere Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, LinkedIn. Uh, feel free to reach out to me on any of those those platforms.
0: Absolutely. I'm put links to all those. You know, if you like to drive, you like to be a better driver, you like to go faster, wherever it is, check out Your Data Driven. It's very cool. And to get a big shout out, thank you to Ross Bentley for connecting me with another great person. Uh, thank you, <laughs> Ross. This is great. Uh, Samir, hey, thanks for spending some time with me today, for sharing your expertise and your smile. This has been really fun. Fun. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you either down the road or at the track.
1: Thank you, Mark. It's been a real pleasure, and uh, I hope my stuttery start we got a bit better. i'm As I say, I'm much more used to being on your side <laughs> of the line, and it's been a real pleasure. I've enjoyed the conversation, and I wish you all the best for everything you're doing.
0: Well, thank you. Sometimes it takes a while to warm up the engine and the tires too to get the drive smooth. So uh, you were a great guest. Thank you, my friend. This was fun. <laughs>